effectively, Leonard Moreno aligned himself with the business and corporate elites uh, during the first several months of his administration. He um, uh, made several pacts with uh, some of the most prominent right-wing political leaders and political parties in the country, such as Jaime Nebot of the Social Christian Party, who is the mayor of the city of Guayaquil. Also, he's made a pact with uh, his former presidential uh, presidential election uh, rival, uh, Guillermo Lasso, who is the leader of the Creo uh, right-wing uh, party, uh, as well as uh, several others. Uh, what, what followed was an, an essential breakup of the Alianza País, or Country Alliance, political party in August and September of uh, 2017, whereby the uh, following the imprisonment and the um, and and the trial of the vice president Jorge Glass in a case quite similar to that of Lula da Silva in Brazil, where whereby no hard no actual hard evidence was presented against him. Uh, effectively, what followed was uh, an exit by the uh, by almost almost half of the. Uh, uh, MPs of the Alianza País party and the formation of the uh, Citizens Revolution uh, Party, uh, headed by uh, Rafael Correa. Uh, what followed uh, uh, as a consequence of all of this has been a, a sort of a creeping program of neoliberal reforms and austerity. Uh, the most evidence uh, evidence of these we've uh, we saw uh, during. Uh, well, uh, during the both late 2017, but particularly, particularly throughout uh, 2018 and in the beginning of this year in February of 2019, when the cuts of more than 25,000 public employees were, were, were announced, along with uh, the cuts to uh, parts of social spending, especially uh, education and health uh, care. And, and coming now onto the present period, uh, Dennis, uh, on the 3rd of October, as part of this agenda you're talking about of neoliberal counter-reforms, Moreno removed fuel subsidies, which saw the price of diesel more than double and petrol increase by 30%, literally overnight. From that point on, how quickly did uh, the protests spread? Well, it was actually an increase of 123%, and that, I think, uh, we'll be able to... Uh, that that kind of points out to why the protests spread so quickly is that the fuel subsidies have been an essential part of the economic policy of the Ecuadorian state uh, throughout the last uh, 40 years under both uh, Rafael Correa and his neoliberal um, predecessors. So the, so the, a removal of uh, of an important uh, social program like like that, something that actually seemed quite natural to, to, uh, to the people in, in Ecuador, uh, since Ecuador is an oil-producing nation, it's it's a member it's a member of OPEC, or at least was a member of OPEC before the Lenin uh, before Lenin's uh, presidency. Uh, so this is something that that was ju just proved to be the you know uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, effectively. So this uh, all of this frustration and anger that has been piling on the last two years since um, two and a half. Years since Moreno took over, uh, took over the presidency. So after all of the political repression of the um, of Korea and his allies, after the uh, economic, after the reform to the, after the return to the neoliberal uh, reforms, the start of privatization, the um, uh, the 
exit from from Mansour and the support for uh, United States foreign uh, foreign policy and the giving up of uh, Julian Assange. It was all kind of building up to what we are um, uh, seeing now. And uh, and coming to uh, well, what is happening now, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Dennis, but you're, you're currently in Buenos Aires, but nevertheless keeping a close eye on and reporting on events in Ecuador. Tell us about what is happening uh, right now on the streets of Quito. Uh, the reports I've read indicate at least five people have been killed by government forces, and the latest development is the imposition of a curfew in the capital, the first time there's been a curfew in Ecuador since the era of the military dictatorship in the 1970s. Well, it has. It is now six that, that have, been, have been confirmed by the uh, public uh, defense uh, of uh, of Ecuador. And yes, certainly, uh, the capital of Quito is currently under military curfew and effectively under military control, uh, because the, nas- the actual national government of Ecuador, Lionel Moreno and uh, his ministers, uh, fled. Quito fled uh, the capital uh, around about uh, a week ago to the coastal city of Guayaquil, which is also uh, the political base of the right-wing opposition there. Um, So effectively, effectively, Quito has been um, has been left without effective uh, government and uh, uh, ministerial administration there. So. So effectively, what we're seeing is not just a repetition of of the um, tactics utilized by the by the by the military leadership in the 70s, but along with that, along with that, uh, sort of a return to the era before uh, Rafael Correa. So the era of the of the, of the control of Ecuador, of Ecuador being effectively ceded over to the IMF, with with whom Alain Moreno signed a 4.2 billion dollar uh, deal earlier this year, and to the rule by the conglomerates of the media communications as well as uh, large uh, private banks. Now, the protests have been led largely by Indigenous people, as I understand it. Tell our listeners uh, a little bit about what to some of the particular struggles are being faced by the Indigenous communities of, of Ecuador. I mean, why would they, you've, you've really outlined it uh, already in some respects, but uh, why in particular would uh, Indigenous people be so strongly opposed to the Moreno government? Um, well, the largest indigenous organization or indigenous network leading these protests is uh, Kunai, uh, followed by um, another organization, uh, organization called uh, Equanamari, among, along, along with uh, other kind of local indigenous uh, networks. Now, Kunai has a history of revolutionary activity and a history of actually overthrowing uh, neoliberal governments uh, in the past since. Uh, uh, Kunai played a crucial role uh, during the 1998 mass protests against um, the government of Jamil Maghwat, so the government which um, uh, implemented uh, the dollarization of the Ecuadorian economy and with that extremely harsh um, austerity package which led to uh, an emigration out of Ecuador of more than one million of its of its citizens, uh, Kodai also played a very prominent role uh, during the protests of uh, 2005 against Lucia uh, Gutierrez, who uh, came actually just like Lenin Moreno, came to power on a progressive platform of uh, opposing the IMF, of uh, opposing neoliberalism, and with with a promise of um, a kind of a, uh, reversing the privatizations in the economy. And when when he um, uh, went back on his on his promises and also 
uh, began uh, deploying military and the police against against mass protests. He was removed from his uh, from his position by Kunai in 2005, which then directly led to in 2006 of the presidential election, where Rafael Correa um, became uh, became the country's uh, president. Uh, now, th- particularly this time around, this time around, uh, Konai uh, has, um, uh, I believe, uh, recognized finally the neoliberal nature of Lenin Moreno's administration. We also have to keep in mind that uh, during Rafael Correa's presidency, uh, Konai also organi- organized uh, several mass protests uh, against him. But unlike in the case of Lenin Moreno, uh, Rafael Correa's government implemented um, a, a, series, a series of very significant uh, reforms which hugely benefited the indigenous population of Ecuador, particularly with regards to recognizing the native languages, customs, culture, but also investing large amounts of uh, oil wealth into social programs and uh, into, uh, uh, into fighting poverty in some of the areas with large some of the largest indigenous populations uh, in the country. So what we're seeing really uh, now is Konai sort of beginning, I believe, beginning this um, uh, another another page in history of Ecuador, of what's it, neoliberal and right-wing governments uh, being defeated by the, uh, the original people, the original people of the land. And finally, Dennis, how significant are these protests, politically speaking, in a wider context? We've also seen mass protests where you are recently in Argentina against similar IMF-imposed neoliberal counter-reforms. And the left, of course, has been largely defeated across Latin America in the past five years or so. Do these protests in Ecuador and, and Argentina signify a new phase of struggle, a renewed fight, as you've talked about, against neoliberal capitalism that could gain ground, not just in Ecuador, but throughout the continent? Well, Alex, I have to disagree with you on what you said about the the feats of the of the left in the five years, uh, when really what we I, I believe what, what what we are looking at uh, here in America is not an end of the progressive cycle, but rather a, a coming new a new wave of progressive governments. Because we've also seen a very significant victory of uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador in Mexico, so the first time the left wing leader was elected as president in that in the country in the last uh, fifty years. Or 60 years, uh, but also here in Argentina, what we're also seeing is this is this massive backlash against uh, the neoliberal government of Mauricio Macri, which also implemented uh, extremely harsh austerity through the um, <clears throat> through, through the rises in the utility prices to um, to cuts to university education and cuts to uh, to healthcare. Uh, what well, from uh, from what, I, what I've seen, uh, the level of the uh, trade union struggle, the social movement uh, struggle in this country, and also just the overall uh, rejection of neoliberalism, is that there is absolutely no doubt that the next president of Argentina will be Alberto Fernandez, and the vice president Cristina Kirchner. So it will be, so a, a new uh, a progressive Peronist government is, I believe, extremely likely to. Uh, um, uh, to come to power here uh, in Argentina, uh, but also, also we have to keep keep in mind uh, what has been happening in other countries in the region as well. In the case of Bolivia, as well, there are elections happening there uh, this uh, coming week on uh, this this week on Sunday, where uh, Evo Morales has also been projected to win in the in the first round, as well as as well as there are also elections in Uruguay happening during the same time as 
as Argentinas, where where basically the forces of the of the left in in the, in the guise of um, uh, the broad front are basically going neck and neck with the right wing opposition. So we have to uh, we have to see how it goes there. But what really, when we compare the crises experienced by left wing governments in the region to those experienced by the current right wing administrations, I believe here we can actually really clearly see uh, that uh, uh, this as you call a defeat of the left in the last five years, it really has been uh, largely a pause in the um, in the in the in the governments because we've seen uh, the government of the far right government of Jair uh, Bolsonaro being faced with mass protests after the particularly after the fires in the, in the Amazon. In the case of uh, Peru, we are seeing a very a very powerful. A constitutional political crisis currently in the works, where there are effectively now really two presidents, two right-wing uh, presidents. One one selected, one uh, elect, uh, selected previously by um, uh, selected currently by the National Congress, and another being the effectively constitutionally recognized president. In the case of Colombia, we have we have of course a, a huge. Um, a social crisis, and we have a and, and the breakdown of the uh, of the peace process caused largely by the current right wing right wing administration's uh, actions. In the case of um, uh, well, as we, as we said before, Ecuador under under the neoliberal uh, neoliberal administration, we are also seeing an extremely deep political crisis and and an economic crisis as well. So. I believe with uh, this um, kind of uh, uh, this summary of uh, this year's, I believe that with the summary of this year's um, kind of a balance uh, balance sheet on the achievements of the right and or the failures of the right rather, and the achievements of the left, we can safely say that uh, what we are what we are about to see. In Latin America is a new wave of uh, progressive left governments.